<laughs> I just love his prayer. I love honest prayer. I really do. And I literally, as I had my eyes closed, I saw Jesus smile when he said, try to anoint Ken's words. Um, it's going to be tough, but you're God. You can do anything. So uh, try to do that. And it, I, I was telling the guys at dinner tonight, I met with some of, the, uh, some of the guys from last time, and I said, about two weeks after the last time, I literally, I'm like, I miss that. I miss just getting together and hang out and do and be in life. And uh, so I'm going to, tonight, we're just going to kind of roll through kind of the same format we did before, but I want to start where we ended. So if you weren't here at the last session we did, that's fine. These are going to be available, but where I ended was with one of my favorite quotes, and it's Theodore Roosevelt in a speech that he gave almost 100 years ago. But it's, it's really just a validation that just, just showing up, like Brett said, is, is it. When we show up and we open up, we, we change in a good way. And uh, that's what this whole part is. And let me just read this real quick. It was actually in 1910, over 100 years ago. He said, it's not the critic that counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again, because there is no effort without error or shortcoming, but who actually does strive to do the deed, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and at who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with the cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. And I love that quote. And that's on the back of what we dubbed the man card. And that's just an overview. And I'll talk about that in a second. You can pick one up. But um, to kind of describe as I've looked at the first part of the material that we're going to look at. I want to give a physical example of of what I really believe is going to happen in these next six weeks. And uh, you don't have to make all six of them. I would encourage you to make as many as you can because it is just a great time. It's a great 90 minutes to really get it. Um, for those of you I haven't met, a couple years ago, I had an emergency surgery, I had emergency open heart surgery. And one of, the qu- one of the questions I was asked multiple times afterwards is, do you feel different? Do you feel different? And I'll never forget the appointment I had with the thoracic surgeon two weeks post. And he goes, so how does it feel? And I'm thinking, I've never had open heart surgery. How's it supposed to feel? And I said, well, I said, you want me to be candid with you? And he said, yeah. I said, it feels like somebody sawed my chest open and sewed a bunch of stuff on my heart. That's how it feels. And he was like, well, that's pretty much what happened. And I was like, well, then I feel normal. And uh, the truth is, though, if I had to go back and look at it, it was such a gradual peace that came over me over time. If you, how many of you have ever worn a wetsuit? Anybody ever worn a wetsuit? Okay. If you haven't, it's just that neoprene and it's over your whole body. I want you to imagine wearing a wetsuit. And then over a couple years, people just putting a thin layer, like an a eighth of or sixteenth of an inch of concrete on the wetsuit. And it's so gradual that it just, you get used to it. And it was just normal. What it felt like the first day after open heart surgery, I felt like, man, I'm so light. I just felt so light because what had happened was the vessels were open. My heart was working at normal capacity 
And my whole body just felt lighter. But I didn't realize physically what had happened over time until it was fixed. And I believe that emotionally and mentally, that's what this opportunity is going to be for us in an emotional and mental way as I've started to look at this. And I want to dive into it right off the bat because one of our favorite parts this last time was just getting to know and talk to other guys at the same place we were. Um, we did a little survey when we had people sign up. Nobody who is perfect was allowed to sign up. So every one of you guys is messed up in some way, and we're excited about that. But I want to get a little bit of the story part, because if you open your book, one, there's some stories at the beginning. And let me just say, the starting on page 14 and 15, I would encourage you to go back and read that. That'll take you basically two minutes to read, and it's about one of the author's. On pages 16 and 17, that's another two minutes, and it kind of gives a good overview. But what we're going to look tonight and fill in some blanks is on page 18. And starting at that very beginning, that every man has a story. And if you want to, grab a pen there and just kind of fill it out as we go. Every man has a story. And in a second, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to tell just like a 90-second version of the highlights of your story that you can remember some of the highlights, because here's the deal. Our lives are full of pain, failure, success, hope. And, and I think we just kind of go through life and we don't really make the marks to go, okay, what was that and how did it affect me? Because if you look at that second part, too often men don't know how to deal with their hurts and hopes and emotions. You can underline those. We've just kind of gone through it. And kind of like in the NFL since it just ended, I don't know if you saw the Super Bowl or not, but there was a couple plays where it was questionable. And the, because it was a big game, they run up to the line and they get that snap off real quick so they don't have to review it and you don't get to throw the red flag. And I think we live like that sometimes. We just keep running forward. Well, it seemed positive, so boom, I'm going. Or, ooh, that was negative, let me get past it and keep going. And what I want us to do for just a second, just to get to know each other a little bit, I want you to tell your name and... In a few moments, and I don't have to be the moments, but just few moments, like I, I'll give you the 90 seconds of mine. I remember very vividly being 12 years old, playing Little League Baseball, and it was the closing ceremonies, and they announced the all-star team at the closing ceremonies, and I led the league as a pitcher in ERA. I was in the top three. As a hitter, I was in the top 10 in home runs that year. I was in the top five in batting average that year, and I was so excited because I always lived to make the all-star team. And they announced the all-star team, and I wasn't on it. And I didn't understand what politics meant. And I didn't understand whose dad said what and that my dad wasn't in that circle. And it broke my heart. And, but I also remember two weeks later, there was a gentleman who helped coach one of the teams, and he was actually a former MLB pitcher. And he taught me how to throw a curveball. And he taught me in two weeks how to manage account and manage different hitters. And he arranged that I got to pitch against the all-star team that they were going to send. And we beat them 18 to 1, the all-star team, because he taught me how to pitch. So I went from one of the lowest lows to the highest highs. I remember that. I remember being a senior in high school, and I loved basketball. And I remember getting cut my senior year. I went to a school that was the, literally the best basketball team in the state of Georgia, and I got cut. And now I know why, but I will never forget that pain. I remember the day I got married. And to this day, I can look at my wife and I see her that way. I can remember the day each of my children were born. I have four of them. 
uh, our youngest was adopted, and, and I'll never forget the day we got his birth certificate. When you adopt, they send off the information to the original hospital, and they send you a birth certificate. And on his birth certificate is my name. And the mother who gave birth was my wife. And she looked at it and she went, wow, that was the easiest birth out of all four of them. That was awesome. And so those are just some of the highlights of me. So you know I've got four kids. You know I like sports and that. So here's what I want to do. I want you to take 10 minutes. So you're going to have to take about 90 seconds each. Just tell your name and tell some of the highlights of your life and low life, whichever you want to do, and just go around the table and do that. We're going to take about 10 minutes. Um, if your table does not have a, a leader you can volunteer, or I'll even do this real quick. Everybody take one finger. If your table has a leader, he'll lead, but everybody take one finger. Everybody real quick, right here. I'm going to count to three. Look at the guys at your table, and I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, I want you to point at whoever looks like they'd be the best leader. One, two, three, point. Okay. Whoever has the most, most fingers, that's the leader at your table. you got ten minutes to introduce a couple highlights and lowlights. Go. All right, guys. We're going to go ahead and dive in. If you didn't get all the way around the table or you didn't get to finish your story, we're going to do a couple questions at the end and you can pick up where you left off. Um, but if you go ahead and make sure you're open to page 18, we're going to go ahead and dive in and, and run through this because there's a, there's a need to look back. Every guy has been shaped by key moments in his life. We looked at that and those key moments affect us and they, they affect us negatively or positively. And uh, I, I just think about the, the abilities and how uniquely God has made each of us. And I think it's those times when we look back and we realize, wow, I thought just everybody could do that. And now I realize this is something unique to me, whether it's an experience, an ability, or, or a developed talent. Um, I think back, and I always wonder what Superman was like when he was 13 playing with other kids. He goes, hey, man, let's fly over there. Uh, uh, what do you mean? You know, just fly. You know, fly. And he takes off. And he goes, yeah, come on, guys, fly. And he's like, yeah. We can't do that. And uh, what? You can't do it because it's just natural to us. And let it develop. And also on the negative side, some of those negative experiences, uh, whether that was circumstantial from family or friends or whatever, um, can really affect who we are and how we deal. So here's the, here's the deal. Number two, he says, too many men are driven by the events in their past that they don't understand. We need to know why we are who we are. And if we'll take the time to do that, I want you to underline a couple words on the third one. It says, to be a real man, you have to look back, underline those words, and figure out what has shaped you as a man. And here's the three uh, components that we're going to realize as we look back. There's going to be some pieces that we need to hold on to, the good qualities and the, and the positive experiences and, and those defining moments. There's going to be some that we need to let go of. We just need to say, you know what, that's not me, and let go. And then there's going to be some that we need to reconcile. It's not a good or a bad. We just need to reconcile that maybe with a person or whatever. So we're going to, this, this material over the next weeks is going to really help us identify those and how to deal with that. Uh, we will be uh, covering some sacred topics. And so I just want to encourage you to be as open as you feel comfortable because there's a really good chance if you've gone through it, somebody else has gone through a similar, the same emotion. Uh, it's not going to be unusual at all that maybe something you've gone through, somebody else at your table has gone through. And uh, it's going to be very helpful for everybody, even if we haven't gone through that. The, the process of dealing with that is going to be a key to open some for others. And at the top of the next one, the three key ideas 
to guide us. First is to take a balanced approach to analyzing our past. And I've written these two words up here because one of two pieces is going to happen when we start looking at it. Either we're going to blame our past and live in it, or what I've been guilty of way too often is just go, it's in the past, and we completely ignore it. And what we're going to have to do is is just take a look and be honest because we really want to deal with this in the middle. We want to understand what explains who we are and how we feel. But we want to deal with it in such a way so that we can move on in a healthy pattern. So the manhood definition, if you were here last time, these are going to make sense. If you weren't, I want to again encourage you to take one of these cards. And that is the definition of a man is rejects passivity, accepts responsibility, leads courageous and invests eternal. And those four, um, we actually, through the last time, we put together a thing called the man card, and those are on this card. And I use it as a bookmark. I use it, uh, I've got one in my car. If you you had one of these and lost it, or if you're thinking, man, I want to have that with me. These are here. They're uh, normally $100. They're free tonight. So you can have one of those. And on the back side of that is the Theodore Roosevelt quote, the man in the arena. So if nothing else, grab one for that. Um, so I want you to understand, uh, underline one word in this next statement. We are going to take the, and understand, underline this one, initiative to look back on our lives. We're going to take the initiative to do that. And we're going to look at the concept of wounds. So we're looking at the balance of what it is, and we're going to look at the concept of wounds. And the deepest wounds that a man experiences are not physical. They're the wounds of the soul, the inside that really force us the way we are. Now, scars are kind of cool because they have a story. Um, but here's the deal. Wounds. Wounds are also kind of cool when we really understand why they were inflicted and what we did with them and what God wants to do through them. And if we'll take the time, which is what we're going to do, we're going to start to see the circumstances involved in that. And then uh, under the, the concept of wounds also, the natural Here's, the, here's the, the one that hit me the hardest in this week's stuff. The natural instinct of a man who has a wounded soul is simply pretend it's not there. And that, it's almost like, well, I'm not strong or I'm not man enough if I just, I'm just going to pretend it never happened. I'm going to pretend it's not there. But failing to deal with that leads us to the next one. Some guys compensate for their pain by learning not to feel. And if we pretend it's not there, we're saying, you know what, I'm not going to have any feelings about that. The problem with that is, is if we don't embrace healthy emotion and healthy responses, we're literally going to stifle our ability to to be uh, open and intimate. And I don't mean just intimate with a spouse, which is a huge part. We're going to close off our ability to really relate. And we're not going to be able to have the relationships to the full that we were meant to have. And if we'll stop and say, okay, this is it. And one of the cores, and these guys who wrote this material did a phenomenal job. One of the cores of all the issues that a lot of men get into, the workaholics, alcoholics, drugs, porn, all of that, the core is that we've never emotionally dealt with a lot of the pieces in our past. And there's a craving in us to be completely known and to know. And when we don't have that, we have to fill it with something else And these artificial stimulants is what usually is turned to in one way or another. So if we want to have a healthy sense, then we're going to look at that last one. That is wound any unresolved issue where the lack of closure adversely impacts and shapes the direction and dynamic 
of a man's life. So here's the deal. Ultimately, and this is on page 20. Ultimately, God is the author of our life. And um, I want to I want to do something here real quickly, and I want you to write this reference down in a minute. But I want you to put your pen down because I want you to do kind of a gang sign with me. So make an E out of one finger, E, E, and then two, and then ten. Okay, E two ten. That's Ephesians two ten, and it simply says this, and you can write that in the margins next to this part, Ephesians or E P H two ten. It says we are God's handiwork his craftsmanship created in christ jesus to do good that he prepared ahead of time he's already prepared for what he's designed and desires us to be and to be fulfilled successful significant but if we're not dealing properly with what we're going to go through we're going to miss this he is the author uniquely and completely of what he's made big and small and he's going to have these moments that he prepared ahead of time. I want to give you one uh, that happened to me yesterday. Literally, I, I've been trying to say, Lord, help me be sensitive uh, to that which is around me. Just use me in ways that I can be used. I'm not really talented. I'm not really smart. But Lord, you used a donkey in a bush. So I'm thinking you can use me occasionally. So I'm flying back from Daytona Beach. I had a show down there. And um, the next morning, I'm flying back, and there's this sweet little older lady sitting next to me. And uh, we really didn't talk. I just said, hey, when I sat down, and she said hi. And, and uh, 85 years old, I would come to find out. As I'm sitting there, at the end of the flight, we start our descent. She just said, what book are you reading? And it's a book that just called Finding Church. And she goes, well, what is that about? And I said, well, basically, it's that the church is not a building. It's people. And that Jesus didn't ever say, hey, go build big buildings. He said, I, I want to be in your life, and I'm with you. I'm with you. And that's kind of the basis of it. She goes, wow, I really think that's true. And I was like, that's great. And that was the conversation. But this was a moment that God prepared ahead of time because I didn't know her, her heart. I didn't know who she was. I never met her before. But Lydia Yancey is her name, a little 85-year-old, probably weighs about 75 pounds. And as we got up to leave, she said, um can I ask you to do me a favor? And I said, absolutely. She goes, um, I, I've got a bunch of oranges, and they wouldn't let me check two bags, so I've got one up there, and I, I, I don't think I can get my bag down. And I'm like, absolutely. So I pick it up, and it was heavy. She's got about 80 pounds of oranges. And I was like, wow, that is heavy. I think I want one of those. And, and uh, as I'm standing there, just kind of whisper in my heart, Ken, you know, there's a, there's a jetway, and it goes up. You ought to offer to take it up there. And I'm like, you know what, Miss Yancey, um, I'd be glad to take this bag up that ramp until we get on even ground for it. She goes, oh my goodness, would you do that? And I'm like, absolutely. We get up to the top of the ramp and, and they've got the board of the tram that she told me that she was going to Detroit. And, and she gets to the top and she goes, well, thank you very much. And she starts squinting and looking at this board. And I said, you're going to Detroit, right? And she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, you're at uh, A3. I said, do you know where that is? And she starts looking at the the, the uh, concourse and she's just kind of just perplexed and I said Miss Yancey I said I, I now I'm literally thinking I don't know a lot but I live in this airport so I know where everything I said you know what I, I'm going that way can I show you where that is would you do that I'm like absolutely and and so we walk and as we get to the a concourse I'm going to baggage she has that perplexed look I said Miss Yancey I I, I got a few minutes because my bags are going to be a minute can I walk you to the gate she goes oh my goodness that'd be so great and so I walk her to the gate, and as we're walking, she said, uh, 
And, and as we're walking, I'm just thinking, Lord, thank you that I got an opportunity to do something for somebody that I can do, and it meant something. And she went on as we were walking. She said, you know what? Today I, I, I was praying. And I'm like, Lord, I, I don't know how to get through that big airport. And I don't know what I'm going to do with this big bag. Will you just, will you just help me? And she said, you're, you're an answer to prayer. And I said, well, thank you very much. And as we were walking, though, God just put an exclamation point on, you know what, Ken, I'm going to show you how exactly I ordained this. I made this happen. Never met the woman. We sat together and I did this. As we're walking, she says, you know, I have a daughter and uh, she, she had cancer. And I was like, Miss Yancey, I had a daughter. I have a daughter and she had cancer. And she goes, no way. And she said, I said, All right, is somebody going to pick you up at the airport? And she said, uh, yeah, one of my sons is going to pick me up. And I said, really? I said, do they all live close by? Yeah, and I got grandkids. And, and I said, how many sons do you have? She said, I have three sons and a daughter. I said, Miss Yancey, I have three sons and a daughter. And I said, I can relate to that. And we just chatted for a minute. And, and I, I think we were both just in awe of going, God, God cares about those details. And he's prepared them. And I'm not saying that's going to happen every minute of every day, but when we start being sensitive to him, he changes that. And that next piece there, not only is he the author, God can redeem your past and bless your future. I don't know your stories. I don't know your background. But let me just tell you, I've seen it firsthand. There's a lady who works for me. I'll call her Becky because that's her name. And uh, Becky's worked for me for 25 years, and I've seen her life and the roller coaster of it. I've known her since I was 13. Her son, her son has been on a roller coaster. And I, I, I can tell you, I've seen what it means for God to redeem the past. Andrew, just jovial, great guy, but just he struggled with dealing with his demons. And he was a, he was a drug addict for years, in and out of rehab multiple times. But he finally hit a point where he's like, if I don't get this right, I'm dead. If, if I don't get this right this time, I'm dead. And he literally called out and he said, and God radically just took away his desire for drugs, cleaned him up. But see, even at the worst, God redeems that. Because Andrew is now the head of a place in Atlanta called the Dream Center, which is where homeless alcoholics and convicts can come and they'll have a place to stay and get some training in that. And he said, Ken, it's not, it's not, it's every day. One of them comes, hey man, you, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. And he goes, I bet I have. And they start telling their story. And he tells them the, his story. And they're like, and, and you do this now. And he's like, yep. He says, that way, that's what can happen. God redeems even our worst. So I say that to say that, you know what, in, in, in your story and mine, the good and the bad, what's been done to us and what we've done, good and bad, God wants to take that, and if we're going to be the men he made us to be, he wants us to redeem that. And here, this verse, I've highlighted it. It's been one of the ones that I've, I've kind of committed to memory. It says, and we know this, that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Simply to say, God, you're here, and you're going to do this. And, and I'll, I'll share one piece at the very end here, but... Um, as we look at this, the, the last part there, the, the section four, we've got to understand the importance of our story. There's two guys. I want us to just take a peek. Um, both of them are authors, and you can read a little bit of their background there. One was an amazing athlete. But I just want to watch a clip real quick of these guys of a couple minutes of what this really 
is kind of laying the foundation for as we go through this. So check out the screens for a minute. Well, guys, every man has a story. Let's talk a little bit about or tell me about a man and the journey of looking back and the opportunities or the barriers in a guy's heart when it comes to looking back. Well, I, I tell you, um, ever since my sons were little, I have sons 21, one is 19. Uh, when little, they're always saying, hey, Dad, tell me a story. Tell me a story. Tell me a story about you. I started telling them the truth about my life in terms of what happened to my heart. And that's really the story of a man's life is where did you put your heart? What happened that you hid your heart very tragically? And my greatest hope as a father is you won't have to hide yours, that you will use yours to do exactly what it's made to do. Oftentimes we think we're writing the heroic story. Um, when the stories that are most powerful in my life and continue to be in the powerful in the lives of my kids are the ones that are stories that show them a, a human dad yep. with a great God. Yep. You know, I sat down with my son several years back and, you know, every young kid, you know, thinks his dad's still a hero. He was still at the age when I couldn't do wrong and I was still on a giant pedestal. And I was going to share with him some of my story in a similar way that Chip was just describing. And um, my greatest fear was my greatest fear. Like now my son's going to think his dad's a loser, his dad's a failure. Um, uh, he won't respect me, won't, you know, all those things that you want your boy to think about you. And I remember sitting him down and walking him through some of the tragedy of my story and some of my great failure in the midst of that story and, and being with him in it and talking to him. And his first response out of his mouth was this. And I think, gosh, at the time, Jay was, what, he'd been maybe 12 years old. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and the first thing out of his mouth, he said, Daddy, I think you must be more like me than I thought. Mm. And it wasn't because he was dealing with the same issues I was dealing with. It all of a sudden, he saw that his dad was human and in need of God. Mm. Like he already knew that he was human and in need of God. Mm. In that moment, although I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm ahead of him and above him as a dad in some ways, in that moment, I came next to him yeah. as just another man in need of a great God that can save a man in great need. Mm. And I'll tell you, that was actually a turning point with my son. And that from then on, he began to be free with me more than he ever had been with what's happening inside of him. Not just stuff he's doing, but stuff he's feeling, stuff he's afraid of, stuff, stuff, he, stuff he's glad about, what he's feeling lonely or scared or hurt. Because he was starting to see that it was okay for him to be a human being because he had a dad who, had, who was a human being. Does that so makes sense? And our sons are asking us, our daughters are asking us, teach me how to be human. That's yeah. it. Before a God that can meet me in this. Yeah. And said, teach me how to be a hero. Yeah, and God makes heroes. We don't yeah. make ourselves. Teach me how to supersede my humanity somehow by being above it. Mm -hmm. Which oftentimes, that's the way we want to tell the story. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, that's not my story. In fact, that's what I love about the scriptures is that's not the story of this book. Um, and this book is about people made for innocence who experience great tragedy to try to survive apart from God and ultimately are promised a redeemed future. And that's the story of the Bible, but it's also my story. And I've learned to find my story in the context of this story and to say this is a book about human beings in need of God to try to live without him, but ultimately can find him. And it's a God who's pursuing them. You know, I think a lot of guys uh, are afraid to look back or refuse to look back. There's a lot of reasons behind that, but sometimes I think they even use a misapplication of scripture as a justification to not look back. And we'll quote, ver we'll quote verses like out of Philippians chapter three where the apostle Paul says, I forget what lies behind, I press forward to what lies ahead. Or we go to second Corinthians chapter five where Paul says, behold, 
old things are new, old things have passed away, new things have come. And there's this assumption that somehow when we come to know Christ, everything that happened prior to that, it's like this giant dry race board that got wiped away. And we don't realize that for the Apostle Paul, in the context of both those passages, he's talking about our position in Christ. He's not talking about his story. Listen, the Apostle Paul knew he had a story, and he knew that his story was impacting who he was and what he was at that present moment in his life. As you've That's the foundation uh, that we want to take a peek at because I've learned this. If I don't learn from my past, I'm destined to repeat it. If I don't learn from that which is done to me, I'm destined to mirror that. And, and, and that's what we're going to be looking at in these next few weeks is just that idea that, you know what, we want to learn and we want to move forward. So tonight, I just want to just take a moment and uh, be able to go around the tables. And there's only two questions tonight. And if you turn on the next page to page 22, I want every guy that feels comfortable to answer these two questions within your group. But on the other side, you'll see a blank sheet of paper. In that tan area, I want you to feel free. If something hits you that's being set around the table, just make a note of what it is and why it hits you. And you may not even know why, but uh, just make a note of that. Or if it comes a question to your mind, you know, I wonder why we're this way. I wonder why I feel this way. Just make a note of that. Because I can guarantee you God's going to deal with it and he's going to show it and answer those questions and clarify those in the next weeks to come. So you've got about 15 to 18 minutes to go through those questions. So take your time. If you didn't finish going around your table in that first session and letting everybody kind of do their 90 seconds, go ahead and do that as well. And then uh, we'll just kind of do a recap of tonight. I'll give you a little bit of uh, possibilities as you can dive in for next week at the end for about three minutes at the end. So go ahead and go around your, your tables and do those questions on page 22. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up, but let's do it this way. I'm, I'm curious on that first question. Discuss with your group hesitancies to looking back. What were some of the common hesitancies to looking back that kind of popped up while you were talking about that? What, what makes us hesitant to look back? MIT and Harvard at their table. That's pretty much everybody. You know, that's... Uh... Getting, staring in the rearview mirror. Yeah. Getting locked up on that. I, I can totally see that. And uh, one of the other ones as I was studying this, a gentleman said, you know what, we, we've got to glance back. But if all we do is stare at the rearview mirror, we have multiple accidents heading ahead because we're, we're focused on that. So it's that balance of that. That's a great, great one. Anybody else have fear, the fear of looking back, fear of what I might find back there? Um, what are some of the other ones? Yeah. Mm. Not have to face the pain again. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And then if I have to go back and live it again, but now that we have this structure, um, you're not even going to have to stare at it. As we go through this, there's probably going to be some pieces that pop up as aha moments. How about that second one? And uh, I do want you to look at this up here and kind of put wherever you are. Do you as an individual tend to blame your past or ignore your past? If your left hand was blame and your right hand 
is ignore. Which one do you tend to do more? Is it blame left hand or ignore right hand? Okay, let's do those. Put your hands down. How about blame? How many of you kind of blame the past? And then how many of you ignore the past? Oh, yeah, that's the majority. Okay. And I tend to do that as well. That's that's big time me. Well, let me just encourage us in twofold. One, at some point, I would even say tonight before you go to bed, it's very short, but it's very encouraging to realize how valuable learning from our past is, is to read page 24. Uh, Page 24 is just a list of men who had had basically failed and uh, dealt with failure and what those failures looked like and moved ahead. And then for next week, I want to encourage you, there's a, there's a three-page story about um, a gentleman, and then there's one of the authors in page 32 and 33, it's a, a two-page one as well. Just reading some of those stories, um, it's either going to do one of two results. One, you're going to identify with some of the feelings involved in those stories, or two, you're going to kind of be able to understand some of what's going to pop up at your table next week by reading those two stories and then the lyrics And then we're going to pop into page 36. So if you want to read any parts of page 28 through 35, uh, those are good to read and just give you an overview. You don't have to, but you can. I highly recommend the one on page 32 and 33. One of the authors of the material and his childhood was really, really good. Um, On top of that, if you want or don't have one of the man cards, you can pick these up over here. They're right over here and to wrap it up. And I want to just wrap up with, there's something about taking the truth, taking God's truth and committing it to memory. Uh, the verse that we looked at tonight, Romans 8, 28, is really good that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him or are called according to his purpose. I promise if you put that in your mind, if that one's not the one you want to get, I've, this week has been one of my favorites. And uh, it really kind of steps into the fact that if we, if we come back, we take an honest look then we're disciplining our mind to deal with where we may need to change. And with that, uh, if we don't do that, we're destined to repeat the, the failures of the past. And there's one verse, it's in Proverbs 12.1, and this may be the one you want to memorize. It's one of my favorites now, and I'm committing it to memory. Who le- whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Okay, so uh, it's in there, and I can tell you I've been stupid more than once in my life. And uh, it really is facing the truth and saying, what are we going to do with this? So here's the deal, guys. Uh, I'm going to wrap up in just a word of prayer. Thanks for coming out. we got a few extra minutes this week. We're, I knew we were going to finish a little bit early. Feel free to hang out, um, eat some of this wonderful food on the table. Uh, this is man food. <laughs> Get a good sugar rush before you go home. Um, take one of the mints with you so when your wife kisses you when you come in and says, what did you talk about tonight? Uh, Be thinking about that and just going, you know what we just talked about? Uh, We need to deal with our past a little bit. We need to look at that so I can become the man that I was meant to be, the dad I was meant to be, the friend I was meant to be. That's kind of what we went with. And uh, you can even ask her some questions. You know, if you had to have the highs and lows of your past, what are some of the highs and lows that you would say were, were part of that formed you? Because anytime you can ask your wife a question, um, you don't have to talk. So that's, that's even better. So go with those highs and lows. But uh, let, me, let me wrap this up in a word of prayer. Feel free to hang out and uh, we'll go from there. God, thank you so much for this week. God, I really do thank you for the gentlemen that have put this together. 
And I pray that we would just uh, realize that you want us to live full, successful, significant lives. And you want us to be men. And you made us to be men. Help us to continue to uncover what that means. And uh, just take an honest look. And Lord, thank you that you're with us in the middle of it. And it is only through Christ we get to pray. Amen. Hope you had a great time around your tables. We'll see you next week. Uh, Feel free to linger. If you have any questions or want a card, we're up here. Have a great evening, guys.